This is episode 74 of the Inspired Energy Podcast. And in this episode, I'm catching up with Jim Collison, a powerhouse talent acquisition and Clifton Strengths community manager at Gallup. And for all the strengths coaches listening to this episode, I'm sure you know who Jim is. Jim is the host, of course, of Called to Coach the fantastic uh, podcast series from Gallup, helping everyone understand their strengths and how they can apply them. And he is also an integral part of the Clifton Strengths Network and groups on Facebook. In this conversation, Jim brings such an incredible knowledge of people, podcasting and purpose. Uh, Jim has facilitated and been featured on over a thousand podcasts and generously shares his top tips on the podcast process, including how to make other experts look even better. And these tips you can apply to all areas of, of your life. And for leaders, it's a great way to think about how you can help others develop and shine. I loved talking to Jim about his strengths discovery, the impact it's had on his relationships, uh, some of the positives from the pandemic, working from home, being more productive, and how to start being a better leader by shining light on others and building trust. Jim is an awesome guy. I've loved getting to know him over the past five years, meeting up with him in Omaha as part of the um, the uh, Strength Summit over there and it was such a great conversation with Jim and I'm sure you'll get something out of this, um, not just from a strengths perspective, perspective but definitely out of employee engagement and, um, and trust as well. So uh, here I go catching up with Jim Collison. Jim, I am so excited to be catching up with you on the podcast. I have known you for, it must be four years, and um, I've heard your voice dozens, if not hundreds of times. Uh, it's so great to have you on the podcast. How have you been? How are you this Mo's, week? Mo's great to be with you. Uh, sorry in advance that you had to listen <laughs> to that voice hundreds of times, but I hope it's been helpful. Oh, definitely been helpful. Um, you are a leader obviously in the strengths industry, uh, in the strengths movement and helping people um, really more deeply understand what it means to really focus on what it is to make them so unique. Now I want to ask you something that I don't know the answer to to kick us off. Why strengths for you? That's a good, it's a super good question. Uh, probably 15 years ago, I was a part of an organization that had been purchased by another organization and we were the one that got bought. And so we were sitting around cause there wasn't a lot to do, you know, in the, the in between time. And, yep. um, so I was kind of looking for some things to do. And I, I, I came across that book first break all the rules and it was, it had to be, I mean, it was a brand new book at the time yep. and I read through it cover to cover and I went, Oh my gosh, like not only do I want to be led this way, I want to lead my family this way. Mm. And, and took that book kind of as a, as a parenting guide, kind of crazy. Well, the follow on to that is now discover your strengths. And so I, I looked around the building that the organization I was a part of had been an early adopter of strengths and had never made it to our department. So I looked around the building and found now discover your strengths and took the assessment and for the first time ever kind of nailed me as an individual kind of like, yeah, yes, this is. Had you done other assessments before strengths? No, I really hadn't. That yeah. had just not been a part of a, a part of what I'd done. But um, after taking that one, I remember taking it home 
and yeah. saying, not only do we need to parent this way, but this thing really nailed me. And um, we got a book for Sarah, my wife, and she took it. And I think for the first time I understood our marriage. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, okay. So, you know, 15 years ago, early in the strengths journey, you know, never could have predicted that my life would have turned out to be what it is today of podcasting a couple times a week on the subject, it seems like, especially here during the pandemic. And so that was the early genesis of it. That was this opportunity to, to, to see it for real and have those. I hear this experience from people who take it and I, yeah. I see them online. I talk to them on Facebook and that never gets old because that was, that was my experience as well. Mm. So when you say you really understood your marriage um, and I guess that a key part of that is understanding Sarah is there a, a partnership or a complementary strengths that happened between you and Sarah in your relationship? We finally understood, or at least I finally understood our, our opposites, right? They always say opposites attract. And for the longest time, I never, um, I never really understood her belief and I didn't know what to call it, but, but I have, I have so little of that. Like I have so much situational ethics. I have so much mm. firefighting in the moment. I have so many shades of gray and she is black and white with belief, like belief, discipline, one, two for her. And I just didn't think that was possible in a person, just to be honest. Like I was like, <laughs> there is no way anybody can be that disciplined and that and have those values and beliefs that are so locked in. And so I doubted it for a lot of years and I just, I, I just didn't think it could be true. And, I, and in some cases I kind of fought it and that was not good for our marriage. And so once I understood, I could trust it. It was true. It was what she said it was. Oh, that, that changed a lot of things for us. And you know, it's not like the sun came out and rainbows appeared and they're unicorns. We still had lots of work to do, Yeah. but it began the process of some some healing and some moving forward and some other things we'd struggle with early in our marriage. It was a significant moment. Yeah. For Tammy and I, it was activator, her activator and connectedness versus my responsibility. And we would, I would say get triggered at times where early on it'd be like, she would say, uh, let's go for a holiday. Let's just go. And I'm like, hang on, hang on. Have we got to organize? Have we balanced it out? Have we worked it out with my ex-wife, with the kids? Have, have we budgeted for this? She goes, no, it's all going to work out. My connectedness says it's all going to work out and let's just go. And I could feel internally that this, this was wrong. Yeah. And we, then, we were the, we were the opposite of you yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I'm like, hey, we like, let's just go figure this thing out. Right. We'll be fine. Let's just go figure it out. Let's get one step at a time. We'll figure it mm -hmm. out. And she wanted to know all the details. She kind of, she needed that stability. She wanted, she needed to know way ahead of what things were happening. And it, it was, it was difficult for us for sure. I'm sure you, you felt that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say that again, like uh, similar to your story there for us, it's been, uh, a way to have the conversations without getting emotional and not negative emotions. Let's just say in a helpful emotional way of really understanding each other and to help say, ah, oh, so that's the way you see the world. And a link here that I can draw, I've ran lots of workshops with teams and the slide with the Don Clifton quote, which says, you know, let's look at what's right with people, not fixate what's wrong, wrong with them. Honestly, Jim, early on, I would sort of introduce that quote and just move on. 
And I then came to this realization, we need to really just talk about what does it mean to make people right? And we uh, have now had, I have in, in sessions, had half an hour, an hour conversations, not even talking about strengths. How do we make people right? And I think that's what we brought into our marriage. So is that what you think has also happened in your broader family about how we see each other in a way that we look at each other and making each other right? And, you know, those differences and appreciating those. Yeah, Maz, that's a really good question. And as, a, as we started parenting our children kind of with this mindset of let's figure out what they're good at and then let's really give them every opportunity to do that. And, you know, in a good example of, you know, you think so, okay, that's going to lead to these perfect kids that are going to do these things, right? And, you know, my oldest, uh, big kid, great football player, and, and we did everything we could to encourage him to in the sport to play. And I remember having a conversation. Um, he could have played D1 uh, level, maybe scholarship level here in the United States pretty easily. And he, he, I said, you know, do we, we need to do a few things. This was like his junior year. We're going to need to do a few things if you're going to do that to put you in a position. He goes, yeah, I'm not really interested in that. <laughs> like it was, it was, it was, he didn't even think about it or he had thought about it in advance. He goes, yeah, my shoulder hurts and my knees aren't very good. I don't want to be crippled for the rest of my life. And you know, I had this realization like, oh, I, I, as a parent, I was kind of hoping he would continue yeah. to play football. And none of the other kids were, were athletically inclined. And so this was going to be, for the most part, the end of our kind of sports with our kids. And, but so, it, but that didn't mean I kept, yeah, he was good at it, but that doesn't mean I just keep pushing him, <laughs> you know, like, wow, that's, that, that's too bad for you. You're going to do this thing. It also means listening and saying, when they say, hmm, you know, and he had, he had solid reasons. Now there's been, you know, there's been times my kids have said, yeah, I'm not really interested in school. I'm not going to do my homework. And you go, you don't have a choice. <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah. what you need to do. Right. Yeah. So yeah. there's, there's differences in that, but Muzz, we, we really spent an enormous amount of time trying to figure out where are the, where do their gifts and their talents lie? We've had top five taken for all, for all the kids. Yeah. And, um, in, in, in not just what their themes are, but then what are those where the areas where they invest and they really become strengths. And then how can we encourage more of that? And that's not perfect, by the way. It's super, super hard to do mm. because they don't know themselves. <laughs> and so, um, but, but we have spent, you know, the last 15 years really kind of working on that. My youngest daughter is now um, a senior in college and in the journalism program. And she's a great example of, you know, she was really good at math. And her math teacher was like, she can go places with math. And she's like, I hate math. Yeah. I do not want to do this long term. I want to be a journalist. And so we sent her to a J school at a, at a local college around here. I just dropped her off tonight. Yep. That's got a really great program and she's thriving in it. And so, you know, if we would have followed maybe her, even her teacher's recommendations without really talking to her about it and saying, well, what are your passions? What are you really good at? She's great mm -hmm. at writing and editing and all, all those things as well. We would have missed it, you know? And so there, there's sometimes I think too, there's realizing what they don't want to do, even if they have the natural talent and aptitude, maybe it'll come back at another time. She recognizes it. Do you we think that's also it. a difference between being good at something and something that you really love doing that energizes you and you thrive at? Yeah, no, right on. I, I'm a really good test taker. Like I am really good at taking tests, but then 
that information is gone. You would not want me as your doctor because I'd, st <laughs> I'd study for the test and I'd be able to do it on, on game day. But then, you know, when it came to the actual pra practical application of it, I need to do things over and over and over again. You know, I'm a better talker than I am, you know, in science or in math and some yeah. of those kinds of things. So, yeah, I do think there are things we're good at that we don't, you know, and, and, and those things are good every once in a while, but that's definitely, you know, maybe not where we want to lean all of our, our, our time into. And Muzz, I think, and let me ask you this, let me reverse, you know, the roles here. I think sometimes those things change over time as well. In other words, I, I discover some things, I get good at it, I do it for a while. And then I kind of figure like, okay, I've, it's been a season for me. Have you had that experience where you've done something well for a while, you really enjoyed it, and then it kind of, it changes on you? Yeah, well, I, I, I reflect back early in my career being a quality manager and I would crunch numbers around quality data uh, by using Excel and Access and, you know, out of a data cube and doing all of that. And honestly, Jim, that does not excite me thinking about doing that at all right now. Put me in yeah. front of a group of people, you know, getting a chance to talk to someone like you, like we are today, that fills me up, that energizes me. Whereas that, and, and to find out communications, you know, number three in my top five was not a surprise. Right. Yeah. Right. So it was yeah. a good. Yeah, I, it's very similar. I was a data warehousing engineer at the bank when just before they got bought and, you know, I wrote SQL to, as a, oh, yeah. I was, yep. as yeah. a coder, right? <laughs> I wrote, I wrote, I wrote code and I was okay at it. I enjoy doing it, but uh, I, that's not something I'd want to do. I've done some project management. Nah, that's not, it's okay. I can do it. When I got the opportunity to start podcasting, you know, about 11 years ago now and uh, 10 years with my own program and then about eight years at Gallup, um, I, I found for now, you know, I say that people think that this is a foregone conclusion that I'm going to do this forever. Mm. And I'm like, ah, right now it's great. I, I don't know if it's going to last forever. I got to make hay while the sun is shining. So I'm doing as much as I can with it now. But that woo communication backloaded with some maximizer in there, the arranger and activator. They're perfect in that. Yeah. They're filling that role. That that window may not always be open, but while it is, I am, I, you know, you know, I'm running through it as fast as I can. I think the fact that there have been, uh, what is it? Six seasons, eight seasons of call to coach. Mm -hmm. It links back to what we're sort of alluding to here with strengths, that there's a real depth of understanding. It's not like, Hey, we've talked about the top, you know, the 34 themes tick the box. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can well, keep talking about six, them. six seasons of theme Thursday, where that's yeah. literally all we do is talk about the, the, the themes. I, I joke when I'm around strengths folks, I always joke and say, you know, we get, sometimes we get stuck in the name it, name it, and name it. We ever, we never actually aim that thing towards something. And then I'm a hypocrite because I go right back to the, the six years of theme Thursday. That is literally a name it, name it, and name it exercise. But it, it speaks to the depth, right? Each season kind of has mm. a different focus on this. And so the depth alone allows us to continue to, to, to work in that space and do those kinds of things. I want to ask you about your experience in podcasting. So I've got way less experience than yourself, but I'm absolutely loving it and getting some lessons. What have been some of the biggest lessons you've got just by doing podcasting as a, as a thing that you've been doing for so long now? Yeah, the number, the number one thing I learned in this is that it's my job as a podcaster, as a webcaster, as a broadcaster, whatever you want to call it, whatever interviewer, whatever you yeah. call it, is to make 
other people big deals. Like mm. when I realize it's my job to amplify other people's messages, when it's my job to make other people look great, when it's my job to get out of the way and let other people have their time in the sun and to shine, uh, it exploded. The, 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 you know, the, the, the effectiveness of it exploded as far as it being as people listening to it and people using it, getting out of the way and letting the guest shine. That's, yep. that's my job is to, is to stay out of the way. Now, because I'm there and because I say those crazy things, I am Jim Collison and live from the Gallup studios or whatever, right? Whatever we're doing, um, I'm, I'm associated with it. And so I have some, I have some recognition with that and it's good. It's just enough for me, but I'm not the expert, right? I, it's my job to find the experts and to make the experts look great. And I think if anything that I've learned in this, uh, that's what I've learned is I, I'm, I'm, I am a good, I'm a good amplifier. I am a good, uh, I'm good at, 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 hopefully, I'm good at making other people look great. And if that's what I'm doing, then I'm happy. Uh, can I add to your greatness, if I may? Because <laughs> I want to highlight you today. It's asking really good questions, which actually links to being a really good listener. And, and I, I can hear in the questions you're asked, it's again, building off what that person's saying, creating this opportunity for them to, to shine. And the question you ask is to giving them that opportunity to do that. And I love the way you do that. It takes a little bit of practice though, Muzz, to, yeah. to be honest. Like, you know, people say, how do you do it the way you do it? And I said, well, I've, I've done it 1500 times. <laughs> you know, I've done it maybe 2000 times. Like it, it, I was just driving home tonight thinking uh, I, I'm doing a, um, uh, another podcast next weekend. And they're going to ask me like, how many podcasts have you done? And I was starting to piece them together. Right? And I think, I think I've done a, a fit, at first I was like a thousand. And I'm like, no, I think I've got a few more. And it, the, not bragging about the number that I've done, but just understanding the amount of practice, right? Mm. It's that talent plus investment. <laughs> Yeah. That, that, that adds uh, to this, the, to this equation, right? Or I think it's times uh, and you, you, I, okay. I just picked up a few things along the way. And so, yeah, the ability to hear what people are saying and then they'll, they'll clue into one little thing and you hang on that for a second and then come back around and allow them to expand that out or know just enough things to kind of keep that conversation going, know the right questions to ask at the right time. Uh, to, to really, to really let them shine. Uh, yeah, it's practice. <laughs> like at the end of the day, it's just practice. I think there's a link here to coaching. And I remember early on in a high performance coaching program I did years and years ago. And that message of it's all about the coachee, not the coach. And for you, I'm hearing it's all about the person you're interviewing, not about you. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, correct. It's, it, and it, it's really about giving them and setting them up to just to put the best foot forward they can and making them feel comfortable. I think this is okay. So that was one making a big deal, but in the conversation, the second thing is how do you make people feel comfortable? Mm. You know, and tonight as we were connecting, uh, you know, you're like, yeah, you're kind of relaxed. And I'm like, well, if I was nervous, that would make you nervous. Yeah. And, yeah. and we may not have that great of a conversation. I feel like it's my job as the host when people come on, even if the world is collapsing around us, I have to say, I got this. Like yeah. there's, I almost, I tell, I tell guests, there's nothing you can do. I can't fix. So don't worry about that. Like, don't, don't 
think about that. And, you know, don't worry about the lighting. Don't worry about your microphone. I've got all that. I'll take care of it. I've done this so many times. I can do this with my eyes closed or sleeping in some cases because I do dream about podcasting sometimes. <laughs> so, right? It's my job to make them feel comfortable. So let's draw a link to the leaders that listen to my podcast. If I'm a leader and I want to be better at shining the light on someone, creating opportunities for them to grow and helping them feel relaxed and confident, What's the lesson from podcasting at how we do that, that leaders could take on? Yeah. What's your tip there? As a leader, you got to give up everything because, you know, we go into podcasting thinking this is going to be my show. Yeah. Like, or this is going to be my thing. And I have, I had to give that up and say, no, this isn't about me. Um, This is about, this is the other people I'm having on. This is about what's going on in their world. And I had to give that up. And I think leaders, the, the really good ones get this naturally is that it's never about me as a leader and how to advance my career. It's always about advancing the careers of those around me and, and rising tides lift all boats, all ships. Mm. Right. And so it, it, and really, to be honest with you, if you're a leader, give up on that anyways, there's, there's yeah. nothing in that. Like you don't want that next position just to be a hundred percent honest with you. You've got one right in front of you now. And as we record this, you know, it's October of 2020. Muzz, we're in the middle of a crisis. And we, we need good leaders to kind of give up on themselves and their career and say, how can, I, how can I advance the careers of others? What can I do to bring this team together and to move them forward? Best thing for your career may be giving up on it. And then really leading people compassionately. I'm loving that we're having a three hour conversation today, Jim, about ego and letting go of the ego. So let's do this. Um, But you're right. And and can I just say you draw attention to a crisis. Let's just say we've got multiple of those at the moment. There's lots going on. Um, um, I actually, it's funny. I think no matter where you are in your role as a leader in an organization at which, which point you're at, whether you're a new leader, up and coming leader, or you're, you know, heading towards the end of your career. And it's about that legacy. It is about the people and those leaders you create around you, uh, to, to lift. Um, can I ask though, just to peel back the layer one more bit, the letting go uh, what was that like as a journey was I'm sure that wasn't just a flick of the switch one, one afternoon. No, it, it, and it was kind of something I had to realize even through parenting mm-hmm. was, was that the, the, the less the agenda was about me and the more the agenda was about the, the, about my kids or, yeah. or, or about my marriage. Um, the, the better it became, the more effective it was. And, and I actually early on uh, managed to gallop and it, I don't know if it was the best experience because I hadn't seen yet that this wasn't really about me. Um, and, and so maybe, you know, maybe a decade ago that began to kind of really settle in. And I remember, and like you said, it's not like a switch flipped, but I just yeah. remember at some point thinking, you know, it's my job to make other people a big deal. That's my, and was when I started doing that, right? When I, when I realized that my attitude about people changed and the way I approach people changed and, and I began thinking, I don't care what's in it for me. Like this isn't about me. I don't care. In fact, oftentimes I have to be, I, I, I push things back because they, people want me in them. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not, it's not about me. 
And they're like, I know, but we need you. <laughs> can you, can you please say yes to this? Cause we need you right now. Uh, we, we just recently launched a new podcast in, in Portuguese, which is super cool. So our, um, we have some partners in Brazil and I'm helping, I help them get that going. And as we were talking about the format, they were like, oh yeah. And you can, I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't speak that. They, we don't care. Come speak English and then we'll speak Portuguese later. And, and I, I kind of resisted it at first. And they, at one point they asked me, we need you. Like, could you please be here? and stop fighting us to not be here. <laughs> and, and yeah, no, absolutely. I get it. I get it at that point. So, um, but, but helping them, sacrificing for them, helping them. It's why it's eight o'clock on a Sunday and I'm spending time with you. It's yeah. why I do, I produce a theme Thursday in Japanese at nine 30 on a Tuesday and Wednesday nights. It's, it's why I'll stay up till 12 to do a podcast in India. Right. Mm. Lots of folks like, Oh, you know, my, 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 my friends at Gallup will be like, man, it's really late. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like it, that doesn't matter. Like the so can time I just doesn't say, matter. I'm linking there to when you find the thing that is your thing that inspires, lifts you, energizes you, you're getting a chance to be your best. Like you're saying, it doesn't matter. Cause I, I can really, I, I'm in that flow. I'm loving it. Yeah, no, for sure. H- how do you balance that out with looking after your own health though? that you're not, you know, let's say overplaying, over dialing something there where you're putting yourself, because you've got to look after yourself through all that as well. So how do you do that? Yeah, you do. And yeah, I think you have to be as intentional about that uh, as, as you are anything else. Uh, early in the pandemic, I kind of came up with a micro workout concept where I would spend 10 or 15 minutes, seven or eight times a day doing, doing little mini workouts. And that actually worked out really well for me. And in early in the pandemic, we had a lot of time. Uh, I had more time, well, yeah, I had more time. I had different, a different schedule. Yeah. When uh, in the summer, when things started really summer here in the United States, so June, July, August timeframe, things really got busy at Gallup. Like we, things really, really picked up. And I found it was just easier to sit in this chair all day. Right. And, and I, I'm not, I, I'm confessing to you, Maz, that the last four months have been dismal in that area. Probably not sleeping as well. Probably not, you know, I put on the COVID-19, as they say, right, uh, <laughs> that I'm going to have to lose again at some point. Um, well, and I, so I keep saying to myself, it's a season. Things are just crazy right now. Uh, next Wednesday, I leave for a week of vacation, and I'm taking off to get some downtime. And by the way, I'm taking a vacation of five years. So this is a good, like, it's a really good thing to get out, get, I'm be gone for a week. Um, and, and when I get back, it'll be a little bit cooler outside and it'll give me an opportunity to work out a little bit more. Yeah. The trick is it's not forever. You know, it's just yep. been four, four months. So, so I, over the past few months in my online programs, have asked leaders, um, do you want life to go back? And team members, do you want life to go back the way it was pre-COVID? And out of, I think, 200 odd people, it was like two or 3% said yes. So I would like to know, what do you think it's going to look like post the COVID-19? What do you think is, from what you're hearing, what you're feeling, what you're sensing, what do you think it's going to look and feel like? A super great question. I, th- I think the rubber band is stretched. It, mm. will never really stre- it will never really go back all the way to where it was before. It's kind of this, the way I'm kind of thinking. I, I don't think what we're doing today is sustainable, to be honest. I just, yeah. I, I just, this, this craziness, this crazy thing we live in right now, it's not sustainable. 
Uh, how long? I don't know. If I could predict those kinds of things, I'd be you know, wealthy and not have to work another day in my life. So I can't. But um, I think eventually we'll get back to a hybrid. But certainly what has changed is everyone's up their game on remote working. Yeah. And the ability to connect like this. Muzz, I, I've been doing this for 10 years now. And as, up until about eight, the first eight years, it was terrible to get people to do this. <laughs> the lighting was bad. Their audio was bad. Everything was bad, right? Yep. Well, yep. now because of work, they've had to up their game. Mm. Man, that has made my life a lot easier as a podcaster. I just am like, it, it's so much easier to get people to connect. And so I think our communication this way has gotten better. The ramifications of that, I'm not sure what that means because now I can be reached easier. You know, you're reaching me at eight o'clock at yep. 8 p.m. Uh, on a Sunday night. I, I'm okay with that. But um, what, 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 what will that mean? I don't, I, I don't know how that all plays out, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, I think the, the conversations around our ways of working with teams is really, really important. So let's get some alignment and agreement around, well, what does that look like? If I'm, if I'm a team member, I'm working from home three days a week. Um, am I working hours that meet the needs of the business, but I've also got that balance. I'm looking after myself and my family at the same time. Mm -hmm. So removing assumptions and having those conversations is really important. I've, I've actually worked more hours uh, at home. You know, I'm down here sooner. Uh, most days start about 7.30 as opposed to it used to start at 8.30 when I would, when I drive in. Um, most days finish at 5.30 or 6, which is kind of standard for when I was in the office. So I'm starting a little bit earlier. I'm being a little bit more effective. Uh, I am fine. I'm sitting a lot more here because all my, I used to walk to at least walk to meetings. Yeah, that's and right. Yeah. Now you just dial up people. I am finding though, I'm having more smaller meetings throughout the day and they're more effective. Because yep. we don't, it, it's not that we don't chit chat this way. See, and that's, can I just say, that's a real challenge for teams. And I think yeah. uh, I'd love to get your perspective that I think it's a Simon Sinek quote, which is team is built before the meeting starts. Mm -hmm. And with Zoom and whatever online platform you're using, Microsoft Teams or whatever, it's like, okay, we're on, let's chat about the topic we've got, not the, the investment in us as human to human connecting. So I think it's really important we don't skip that. We bring that into the conversation. Yeah, and I, I try to actually connect early to be there for anybody else joining early and yeah. then have those, try to have those conversations. At Gallup, we're a super social company. So the first five minutes is that kind of connecting anyways. What I found in the past though, is what we did is we talked, we would do that for 10 minutes and then we'd have 15 minutes of a meeting and then we'd have 25 minutes after the fact, right? <laughs> and you're like, okay, the 25 minutes is probably fat that we can cut just to be a hundred percent honest. Yeah. Virtually we just cut those off sooner. And so we're just, we're, we're more effective that way. I think mm. than we were, I'm getting way more work done in, in, in now than I was pre pandemic. And it's more satisfying just to be honest. Yeah, uh, they've, they've invited us to come back in. We have all kinds of measures in place to make sure it's safe and distancing and masked and all that stuff. But I'm finding I come down here in the morning and I'm like, I, and not for safety reasons, not for, you know, not for what you think. I, I'm craving the work that I'm able to do here at home because it's been so successful over the last six months. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So I'm, I'd love to know for people listening, I'm sure would be intrigued. What's the best thing about working for Gallup? 
so many great things about oh, working good. for that, Gallup. That's a good thing. Yeah, no, it's, it is, uh, you know, the, the best thing for me is, is this thing called trust. Mm-hmm. And in the role that I'm in, you know, over the last, especially the last eight years, um, I've worked with people who just trust me and there's nothing. I, if, if you ask me, you know, what, what's my greatest need? It is to be trusted. And, and I don't know why that's crazy. You know, I just, I mentioned early in this, my wife has belief and discipline. You think that would have played nicely into that and not as much, but um, at work, I want to be trusted and, and they have, you know, the folks that I work with uh, trust me to do what I need to get done. And it's just, it has been in the freedom and the way I, that I need to get it done. Listen, it hasn't come without questions. Like I've done some things and they've been like, Hey, where are you going with that? Yeah, like, and yeah. I've made mistakes in the process. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. But that the trust to continue to push forward is, is, is paramount to my engagement. And, and obviously we've got some strong links between high trust organizations and high performance and engagement. Yeah. 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 No, right on. I, I think it's one of those, you know, um, of the four needs. I mean, that's one of the four needs of followers. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I think you just, if for me, that's what I don't need as much stability. Um, I, I need, I do need a little hope, you know, mm. in that, but man, the trust component of this is huge. Yeah. Can I ask if you feel like someone betrays your trust, is that a, a triggering thing for you? Is that like, hang on, we've got, so you need it. If you don't get it, is that like, Hey, we've got to sort something out. Yeah. I go a little sideways when, yeah, yeah, when yeah, I'm yeah. either questioned <laughs> or, or my integrity's questioned or, I see somebody going around me for something. And by the way, they may be justified. Just yes, to, yes. I, I, you know, I don't walk on water, right? I walk in water. Uh, and so um, it, it may be justified, but yeah, no, that's a definite trigger for me. I get, I go a little sideways when those kinds of things start happening. What, is there any links you see between your dominant talents and trust? Oh, that's a great question. Now I'm going to get coached. I'm going to, I'm going to treat this like some free coaching. Man. This is, <laughs> going to be pretty, pretty great. I, you know, I think, so the influence for me is so high, right? Four or five are influencing themes and, and I'm a self-admitted influencer. That's what I do. That's what my job is to do. Um, and it's tough if people don't trust you, it's tough for that influence to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a correlation between the two because I'm not just influencing uh, our, our strengths coaches, or I'm not just influencing folks who purchase Clifton strengths or I'm not just influencing the community. I'm also influencing Gallup people. Like it's equally important that they trust me and that I'm that I help them move in directions I think is smart for us. Yeah. And if they don't trust me, it's it, you know I oh I get then man and I just I dive in I I start you know calling them hey we got to talk about this thing yeah yeah uh, yeah so yeah I think it's tied to the influencing for sure. Well, I mean that's a high trust culture to actually be able to ring someone and say, hang on, we need to talk about this and know that you're coming from a place of good. Well, I just, I had a call uh, last week with a coworker who said to me, um, you said something and hurt my feelings. I just want to tell you that. And in, you know, Oh, what did I say? Sorry. You know, out of the thousands of things I say a day. And, and it was a great moment of just healing and that to be like, Oh, yeah. you know, I, you know, I didn't mean that. And he's like, I know, I know you didn't but it did hurt my feelings. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I didn't intend to go down that path. So we can't, that could 
th those kinds of things, Maz, in, in, in some organizations are cancer. And it, yes. once it starts, right, then it starts, then they start saying things and things are said behind people's backs and it, it starts growing in a team and the team falls apart over one person getting their feelings hurt. So I think it is important we were able to have that openness. I do work with great people that I could just say, hey, that didn't feel great when you said that. Yeah. And, and they don't immediately go on the defense, right? I think, I mean, for people listening, that's a great example of the measure of the trust in the organization. That you can have those conversations and they can be challenging and constructive and people are open to having those conversations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's not easy. No. I mean, no. at the moment, I felt really bad. And when I got done with the call, I was then I start thinking about all the things that I've said yeah, in, yeah. The last, in the last couple of weeks, you know, and you're like, Oh my God, am, am I doing this to everybody? <laughs> you know? uh, but, yeah. but no, it's good. I, I had a, a company I was working with a few years back and one of their sayings was no triangles. And I loved it. It was so Murray says something to Jim, Jim says something to Sarah and um, Jim says to Sarah, I didn't like what Murray said, but so, then he goes to Sarah and Sarah goes to me. And then I go back and this we're forming triangles everywhere instead of just going back and forward one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just a simple phrase. I loved it. Um, I mean, to be clear, uh, uh, distrust among, uh, uh, in nature is important because we won't survive if we yeah, trusted yeah. everything. Right. And uh, we are the dominant species on the planet because we trusted each other at that point. And so, I mean, that's, that's kind of genetically built into us. I think for some folks, it just needs to be learned. Like they just need to it's get, learn. It's going to be okay. We don't, we don't hang out in tribes anymore. So there's not a lot of great opportunities for that to happen. And our communication is a little separated now. We don't depend upon each other for some of those basic life and death things anymore, right? And so I think you got to kind of help teams along with that. Mm. And I'm not talking about falling backwards off a table, right? I'm, I'm talking about real world situations where managers practice that with their teams. Yeah. Where the manager leads by saying, uh, leading by example, and maybe be saying, oh, hey, I saw this happen. Uh, let's talk about it. Or, hey, I'm open enough. If I've hurt you in some way, come tell me. And then demonstrate what that looks like. In, in when it actually, you know, the manager doesn't get defensive, the manager doesn't get angry, right? That has yeah. to be modeled. It's yeah. hard. It's the hardest part about being a manager, I think. Yeah. So I, I'm going back to your point earlier about letting go. It's not about you and being approachable and, and being open and, and vulnerable and having those conversations. We, if we're doing those things, we are, you know, let's say breaking some rules, like you said early on. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's not easy. Mm. This is not, and it's not magic. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't. It doesn't feel good. You think it's, oh yeah, oh, I'm going to get there and it's going to be Nirvana, right? No, this is actually in the, in the midst of these things. When you do them right, it's actually harder. Yeah. You know, but, but it's better in the long run. Well, I think about that ongoing investment in the relationship you have with Sarah or I have with Tammy. As a leader, it's very similar with your team. It's that ongoing investment, having those ongoing conversations and, and doing mm -hmm. that as well. Yeah, you got to keep practicing. Yeah. So I want to just go back to one of your top five, which maybe is quite often misunderstood. So woo, number two. Um, when you saw that come out in your report, was that a, yeah, that's a validation. I, I'm not surprised. Or was that a surprise for you? 
no, I, I, I it got a, it got a rock fest, like yeah, a yeah, fist yeah. pump. I was like, yes, because um, it, it did. I, I did. I did agreed with all of it. I, yeah, this is me. Now, when, when I, for 15 years ago, when I first saw it, uh, I didn't really understand all the nuances of it. And so, you know, yeah, I'd love to, <laughs> I love to get to know people. I love to be at mm-hmm. the, in the center of the attention of the, at the party. I love to be the one pulling people together. I love, you know, I loved all those things about it. What I, I kind of learned to, to, well, what I kind of learned over the years is that these aren't, you know, being the life of the party is not a success trait. <laughs> like that's not what Don Clifton meant. <laughs> he, yeah. There's some, there's some hints in there, but the, what he meant was how can you have influence over people and move them in directions? I think it's kind of the heart of leadership mm. in getting people, convincing people. I think it's a sales theme, to be honest, convinced by convincing people to do something different or to do more of uh, the thing that they're currently doing, right? Be more productive. The, the key word in there is do to get people to do like, that's what it, that's what we're trying to get done here. And I think maybe in the last five years, have I really kind of understood as we've been doing all the, the theme Thursdays, that's an influencing strength. It's, it's moving people in directions. And I, yeah, I really like that. That's, that has lots of success on a team. And so I've gotten to deploy it through these webcasts. Yeah. yeah. Months. What we do on the webcast is one big woo exercise. Yeah. Yeah. But woo and communication. Let's be honest. And those come together uh, pretty frequently. And, and so, woo, you could see exist as part of who you were even before, you know, oh, knowing that sure. it was. Yeah. 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 No, my name, I am the poster child. Like it should be, <laughs> it should be me in there. I agree with it all for sure. Um, if you had to get one of your dominant talents tattooed on your body to say, this is me, like, I, and I've, I've truly lived, breathed this, this is me, which one or two would it be? Um, I, I think in the last two years, I've, I never really understood Maximizer. Yeah. I just didn't. And I've said this on the, on the webcast. So if you've heard me say this before, I apologize, but I'll say it again. Cause you asked the question. Um, I didn't, it's, we always say quality. Like if they demand quality and I didn't see any of that in me, I don't really care to be honest. Like I say good enough pretty often. And those kinds of things, it's like, what's the deal here? And in my forties, um, I started running <laughs> and yeah. I didn't just run a 10 K. I mean, I ran a few and then I'm like, no, oh, maybe I can run a half. And then I ran a few of those. And then I'm like, you know, I could probably do a full. And then I did five of those. And as I started reflecting back, that's a whole maximizer. Mm. Like, because it's whatever's worth doing is worth overdoing, right? I've said that it has become my mantra over the last couple of years. In discovering that has been, especially in the heart of the pandemic, uh, you know, we did all last year, I did 50 webcasts all last year. I did 50 by June this year. <laughs> I mean, if that is not an example of whatever's worth doing is worth overdoing during a pandemic, I could turn on, you know, a little help from Activator in there. Yeah. I could turn on this woo in communication and maximize and using my definition, the crap out of it. Mm. And so if there's anything that I, that I value now that I didn't understand just a few years ago, to be honest, that now I really, really value, like it's probably my one serious strength. <laughs> you know, it's probably the one I think this could take me somewhere if I can just harness this and it'll influence all the rest of them. So maximizer would be the one for me. Again, not a quality thing. I don't make things better. Although sometimes I do. I yeah. just do more than anybody else does. I can't stop at one. 
You know, I, I, I got to keep, I got If we're going to do one, we could do 10 or a hundred. So uh, I'm making the assumption that that also just shows up for you week in, week out about how do I make this better? How do I improve on the way I'm doing this? Yeah. If improve equals doing more than yes, (laughs) like I want to do more in, in most cases, Maz, to be honest, they have to be done more efficiently. Yeah. If I'm going to do more, they have to be more efficient. And so that means doing them better for a lot of people. So that all fits in that definition. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so partnerships play a big part in your life. You've got some strong partnerships. You know, Micah is a, such a, a great one. Um, what's been your insights around partnerships over the years that you um, can really, you know, just reflect on and share that, that it's sort of brought to the surface for you about how powerful partnerships are? Well, they're, the power of two is amazing. And, you know, Micah is just the tip of the iceberg of my partnerships at Gallup. And some a partnership I had that no one in this community will ever know is Jody Kennedy. And actually, she was my first partner in recruiting. And Jody and I did some amazing things around internships and high school internships, stuff nobody will ever see except a whole different side of the world, right? Mm. And, and a powerful partner. Um, the, the, the key was, I think in those partnerships is I had to be willing to give as much as my partner was going to give Yeah. and that it wasn't just going to happen. I needed to cultivate it. And so, you know, we're, we're in a little bit of a down cycle with theme Thursday right now, cause we're done producing for the year. We have one more coming up. I don't have as many opportunity opportunities to connect with Micah during this. She's become an important part of just my weekly routine over the last six years of mm. talking to her and getting coaching and the time we spend together. And so I was just talking to her late last week. I'm like, you know, we're going to have to schedule time. Like it's, this isn't going to just happen. We're going to have to schedule time to be together to, to make sure we're having, we're, we're fostering this. Uh, and, and the other, the other part about that in the relationships is I had to completely be okay. The, I had to completely be okay with who she was both with, with Sarah and with Micah and with Jody, the, the gals in my life that I worked with. I don't, don't just work with women. Dean is another great example of, yep, yep. of, of guys that I've worked with. Mike McDonald is another one, right? I think I can, you know, Jeremy Petrosini is another one, right? That I had to be willing to give just as much and, and, and really be, uh, you know, not come demanding, like you, you need to fill this role in my life. That's not, that's not how it's, it starts. It needs to be back to the, you know, the conversation. How do I make, like, when, when I figured out I need to make Micah a big deal, our, our relationship began to grow at that point. Because everybody wants to be a big deal. And then she reciprocated that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and it shines through in the banter and the way that you just support each other through those, those conversations. And, um, Muz, let me, let me, before you move on for that, let yeah. me also say... I think sometimes the, in, in, in call it karma or the universe or how, what, whatever, whatever you want to fill in with that. But I think sometimes things align in a way and you connect with a person in a way, doing a job, doing a task, doing a thing where it just, it's perfect. And in, you know, my work with Jody and my work with Micah and my work with Dean, the planets are aligned right now. And, and so those things are working really, really uh, uh, very, very well. And I think you have to take advantage of that when it does hit, you can't wait for tomorrow. There's no manana on that. Yeah, yeah. You, you need to nail it now because you don't know it's going to 
you know, you don't know what's going to happen in, in the future. You, you need to jump in with both feet and give it full attention and really maximize it. Again, there's my maximizer. Right? Yep. Yep. Cause it may not come back. I, I, can I just say I'm, I'm a loving us chatting and um, we did know that where this would go and, and I, and I had no hesitation at all about where we'd go and B the ideas that we're sharing you're bringing up around what people can actually do about this stuff. So what I'm thinking right now is if you're listening to this conversation, you're thinking, okay, where do I take this? Take time out to think about those partnerships you have right now and how do you actually invest in them even more so that you can create what Jim's talking about and strengthen those partnerships, create the opportunity for you both to be at the best that you can be. I think it starts with a simple question. What can I do for you today? Mm. Like so many people are just waiting to hear those words. Like, what can I do for you today? How can I help you? And then actually do it. Like it's not, I don't, it's not rocket science. Yeah. It's, it's just a matter. It's hard. Don't get me wrong. It's hard. But asking that question, what can I do for you today is super important. Um, Besides the partnerships and um, what we've talked about today, um, what do you, what's your biggest reflection on 2020? Well, we're, we're not through it yet. We have a, we, lot, we, have, a, we have a lot to, you've we, got an you election know, still, coming up too, by the way. I know, I know <laughs> it, trust me. And I, I just, I just recorded uh, the Gallup podcast, which I'm an executive producer for. I needed, I, we did an interview on Saturday uh, for that. And I was listening to them talk and I'm like, oh my gosh, we have so much, we have so much yet to go through the year. Um, I am, well, it's been a disaster in a lot of ways and yeah. a lot of people's lives, lives, lives have been changed in this. Um, I don't like to waste any opportunity. And, and I think for some folks, um, this is an, op- an opportunity to retool. I think mm. for some organizations, this is an opportunity to retool. For many of them, they're decimated and they're going to have to rehire back. Why not do it on a strengths-based basis? Yeah. Like, why not start doing things right now? If you're changing jobs, maybe you're listening to this and you're unemployed and you're thinking, I got to find a job. Your next job, right? That's why it's a, a great opportunity to interview them before you go there, to go to a strengths-based organization, to get, get what you were looking for to begin with. And so, I don't want to minimize anybody's pain and suffering and difficult time at this point. I'm, I'm not trying to say, thank goodness for this. I'm not. I, I, it's, it's been a disaster for many people, and I, I definitely feel for them. Um, Saturday was, uh, it was International Mental Health Day, yeah, and it yep. came at a good time because yes. we all need to check that, right? But at the same token, for some folks, this is going to be the opportunity they were waiting for. They were in a crappy job that they just couldn't leave because they were afraid. Or they didn't want to leave because they, were, they didn't want to take the risk, right? And for some organizations, they didn't deserve to be around. Like, they were doing things terribly, and this shook it out, right? And so I, I guess, you know, it's, I, I don't want to say look on the bright side of everything because I, I don't think that's what I'm trying to say here. But there are opportunities in this. And so as 2020 shakes out, I guess for the leaders that are listening, what kind of new opportunities do you have to make things better? How, could, how do you start 2021 better? Mm. What can you do right now to finish 2020 strong? I think there's some, I think there's some options for some people there. 
And there's uh, what I'm thinking about that too is, you know, what can you do? What's in your control? What can you take action on right now? There's a bunch of things happening in the world right now that are out of our control. But what can you do that's in your control, in your influence, and you take action on those things right now? And I think that's been highlighted in 2020. Um, I think trust, you mentioned trust and how important that is to you, but also I think trust has been heightened and highlighted how important it is because we've got these different working arrangements and people working different hours and flexibility that doesn't work without trust. We've got to keep building that trust going forward. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, what's the future of the uh, strengths movement in 25 words or less? Oh, I think it's, <laughs> I, I think it's strong. I think it's strong. And we have so many great up. We're just getting started. Yeah, yeah. Like this, this isn't, this isn't, we haven't reached any peak. There's no, like, we're just getting going. And, and by the way, I think for this next generation, these Gen Zers or whatever we're going to call them, um, they, they, they get this. Like, mm. I think naturally they get this. We don't have to fight them. They understand. Like, oh, yeah, if I focus on what I'm good at. Yeah. So, you know, the next generation, the working generation that's coming in now, the young kids, they get it. And by the way, let's stop picking on them. Okay. Let's leaders, let's stop making them feel bad about who they are. They're the next generation. Let's pump into them some confidence and stability, and some hope, some trust. Like, let's start getting that into them because they're, they're the next gen for us. And, and I think they're going to be fantastic. I'm, my daughter is one of them. And I, I'm kind of looking forward to watching this generation rocket. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that's a, a point that you kicked that off with that's so important that it's not like, hey, we're there, let's tick the box. Because as you said, it's still going, it's still growing. There's a depth that's just evolving all the time. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, it's not just Gallup that's talking about strengths. That, you know, the, the amount of times I hear people saying, hey, this is a good thing. We should be focusing on what people do at their best. Yeah, yeah. And we, we just have a system to do it. And it's a pretty great system, I, I think. But we've got a lot of work to do. And, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if, I, if I'm an arranger, woo, maximizer, communication activator. That doesn't matter if I'm not using it. We got to get people out there focusing on that and using that for success. Yeah, 100%. Totally agree. I have a couple of questions to wrap us up in this wonderful conversation and let you get back to your Sunday night of relaxing. Um, first question is, um, what is your definition of inspired energy? Yeah, you asked that on the form. By the way, I don't ever relax. That's just not a, just not a part of what I do. So <laughs> let's, let, let, let's get that done. You know, and I think that maybe fits into my definition of inspired energy. Like uh, right now I'm in the zone. I can't, I don't want to relax. I don't, I don't need to relax for the most part. Even on this vacation that I mentioned I'm going on earlier, it's kind of a working vacation. I got some things planned and we're going to, we're going to do some fun stuff. But it's that energy driven when you're wholly and completely engaged. Those are big definitions that there's always, there's always exceptions, right? But when you're wholly and completely engaged in something, Mm. That energy that comes from that. If you ask me, I'd say that's inspired energy. That's how I would, I would define it. Yeah. And, and, and I can feel that in the way you talk about your work and what this has been like for you and the levels of productivity and satisfaction that, that you're playing in, you know, it's like um, that this exponential building on that energy, isn't it? Like mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm working, but I've got more energy. Exactly. And you don't want to stop. It's like yeah. 530. And I'm like, I need to, I've been, I've been tracking down coaches around the world who have lost contact with through email. 
it's an, I have to find them on LinkedIn. It's incredibly, it's just manual. And I am pumping through those. Uh, I've done 1600 of those Miles, over the last month and a half, just grinding through them because it needs to be done. Right. Yeah. It's just, I need to find these people. That's inspired, right? You're like, yeah. I have to find these people. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love it. Uh, and my friend, where is the best place for people to connect with you online? Well, that's always a great question because I'm all over the place. The greatest place to connect with our strengths related work is at gallup.com slash Clifton Strengths. And there, there are tons of resources available there, including all these podcasts that we talked about in the yep. last couple of years. They have transcripts associated with them. We have pull quotes in there, all kinds of great materials. By the way, there's great folks like Roy and Mark and Micah who do all that with me, right? Pretty, pretty incredible work that they do behind the scenes there. And so that's really the best kind of way. If, if you want to, if you have questions about anything at Gallup, it's easier to remember coaching at gallup.com. If you want to, they'll route that to me if that's what needs to go there, but that's a lot easier than remembering my email address. So coaching at gallup.com. Fantastic. And I'll make sure there's links to uh, the Gallup website to that email, but also the Facebook group for anyone that's interested in strengths, if they're not already a member, because it is such a healthy generous community as well so i'm going to make a shout out to that community as well um jim i just want to take a moment to also celebrate acknowledge the work that you do do that constant that you have been for all those seasons of call to coach and everything else that you do uh through the podcast and also for that community i just mentioned where you are uh, i was going to say a backbone um, and the head often around just steering that, supporting that, uh, creating a space for people to share, to learn, to grow, to support. And this um, passion you have to support others and to lift them up and to do that. And the strengths-based movement wouldn't be where it's at without that consistent energy and focus you give it. And as someone that has um, been the receiver of that, I can't thank you enough. Um, uh, have a beer with you next time in Omaha, whenever that is. Um, but on, on behalf of the community, uh, I want to thank you so much for all that you do. Muzz, those are very, very kind words. And I appreciate that. And um, thanks just for the, just for being a solid partner out there with us. I couldn't do this if I was shouting from the mountaintop and there weren't people doing things like creating their own podcast. Uh, it couldn't be just me. And so thank you for the work that you do to continue to help get the word out and to coach people uh, in, in the work that you do in workshops and in, in the coaching. So thank you. Yeah, no, wonderful, Jim. And I've, I've loved our conversation on this podcast. It's been fantastic. So much gold in, in this conversation today. Really appreciate it. And certainly if anyone's listening, you got something out of this conversation, which I'm sure you did. Uh, please make sure you share it online, tag Jim and myself, and also use the hashtag inspired energy. And if you have any questions, as Jim said, make sure you flick those through to coaching at gallop.com and he'll get back to you or someone from the Gallup team will as well. Uh, Jim, all the best for the remainder of a, a productive, healthy, happy 2020. And I uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Yeah, you as well. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, Jim.